0: Well, good morning, and once again, welcome on uh, a rainy Sunday morning, our first uh, rain out in the field. Uh, Big thanks to all of our volunteers who helped make this quick transition happen. Uh, Again, it's nice to be able to not have to cancel church on a day like today. It's nice to be able to still worship together online. And so again, welcome uh, to Lake Forest, all of you at home. Uh, My name is Gray. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And if you've been with us the past couple weeks, you know that we have been doing a, uh, a short sermon series on faith and politics. That one has wrapped up and we are moving on to a new short sermon series, this time Faith and Finances. And today is the first sermon of that series and it is on the concept, the idea of stewardship. And when you hear stewardship as a, the topic of a sermon, you're thinking money, you're thinking giving, what do I do with my money? And, and stewardship does apply Uh, there's an element of stewardship that applies to our money, but stewardship also talks about a lot more than just what we do with our money. So the big question of today, what is stewardship? And kind of the the more fundamental question even beneath that is what is a steward? What is a steward? So a steward is a a person who's been put in a position uh, to continue or enact the will of their master, their lord, the person in charge, their boss. Again, that's a person put in a position to continue or enact the will of, of their Lord, the push the person put in charge. So have been excited this fall that football has come back. It was looking uh, doubtful for a while. And even as the game started back up, we had uh, some teams have infections uh, among their players and even some among their coaching staffs. And one particular team, Florida State, had uh, their head coach, Mike Norvell, get COVID. And so he had to miss... Uh, their second game versus Miami. And so what he did is he asked his assistant coach, a guy named Chris Thompson, to fill in as head coach. So this concept of steward kind of applied to Coach Chris Thompson. His job was to step in and essentially do what Coach Norvell would have done on the sidelines. So he was giving the pregame speech. He was giving the speech at halftime. He was talking to the coaches, getting everyone prepped. His job was basically to do what Coach Norvell would have done had he been able to be there. So again, Coach Thompson, in a way, filled in as a steward for the head coach as the the head coach was not there. So again, this idea of steward, someone put in a position to continue or enact the will of their Lord, their master, their head coach. That is a steward. And the fundamental claim of stewardship as it pertains to Christian faith is the idea that our Lord, God, has made us all stewards. He's put us all in positions, uh, entrusted us with things. And we see this beginning all the way back in Genesis 2, uh, where we see that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So God makes humanity a steward of the garden. And in a similar way, this applies to us today, where we are, we are stewards of the earth. But in a much more practical and, and uh, immediate sense, God has also put us in, into a, a very specific posi- position of stewardship in our lives. Each one of us has been put somewhere. Uh, for some of us, it's Davidson, Cornelius, Mooresville, Huntersville, Concord, or elsewhere, we've just been put somewhere, and somewhere in that town, we're on a particular street, and we have particular neighbors, and you're a steward of that place. God has also entrusted each of us with time, not only 24 hours in the day, or or whatever our time looks like as it pertains to our job or our role at home, um, but also a certain number of years on earth that God has entrusted us with to use and to steward well. God has also entrusted us uh, with position and this could be a a position as a job, but it could be a position, again, as a role in the family, could be a position as a role in the community, like maybe you're on the PTA or on the town board or something like that. We're we're all put in positions, and God has entrusted us with with that position to steward it well. Same goes with our resources, and this includes finances, but it also includes our talents and our gifts and our connections and the ways we have to get things done, our resources, things we can draw from. God has entrusted us with a certain set of these And we're supposed to be good stewards of those. And lastly, one other is relationships. God has entrusted us with a particular role and place in people's lives. All the people that we touch in our life, uh, we are good stewards of that relationship. God asks us to be stewards of that relationship. We're the only person God has put there. So again, God has put you in a place. And God has entrusted you with being able to have an influence on these things as a steward. And so how do we know what to do with that? That's a lot of pressure. That's, that's a lot to, to take on. And this, uh, this brings us to our passage for today. Again, it's Matthew 26, verses 6 through 13. And as you remember, um, a woman came to Jesus in a house and she brought her a very expensive jar of perfume and she poured it on Jesus's head. And then the disciples say, again, it's picking up the end of verse eight. Why this waste, they asked. She poured this whole jar of perfume on his head. They say, this perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. And this is a hard passage uh, to make sense of, and we'll continue on here with the rest of it here in a moment, but basically what the disciples are saying here is that this woman has been a bad steward of her perfume. I like the King James translation. It says that they say, to what purpose is this waste? So not only is it wasteful, it's also kind of purposeless, is what they're saying. And again, I said it's a hard passage. I think it's a hard passage because in a lot of ways, I I might have said the same thing were I there with them. Jesus talks frequently about helping the poor. The Old Testament talks about God's command to to care for the poor and the outcast. In Matthew 19, uh, the conversation Jesus has with the rich young ruler, he says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Even more strikingly, right before this happens, uh, this incident with the perfume happens. In Matthew 25, Jesus gives a sermon where he teaches a lesson about uh, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. So he basically says, if you see a hungry person, you feed them, you've done that for me. So Jesus has just given a sermon, uh, a teaching about caring for the poor. And so again, I'm kind of sympathetic to the disciples here. I, I, I can see how they would think we need to do what Jesus has just commanded us to do. The disciples are asking, shouldn't we be maximizing the tangible effects of this resource? Wouldn't that be what good stewardship looks like in this moment? It's a good question. And as Jesus often does, he responds in a way uh, that even we who follow him, even the disciples who followed him might not expect. Picking up in verse 10, he says, Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she, perf- when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. So what is Jesus saying about stewardship? What is good stewardship? Uh, we've got three points for what is stewardship this morning. First one, good stewardship is worship, first and foremost. Good stewardship is worship. So Jesus is saying, Contrary to what the disciples said, Jesus is saying this woman is being a good steward. He says she has done a beautiful thing. And again, the hard thing is the the disciples aren't wrong that this was a valuable jar of perfume. And Jesus, yes, is clear about caring for the poor. But what Jesus sees, what Jesus does not miss is that here is a woman who has come with what she has and she has brought it to him to worship. Was it excess? Maybe. I don't know. um, Would it have had the same effect if she just used half the jar and sold sold the other half and gave it to the poor? I'm not sure. Who knows? doesn't really matter because that's not what happened. Um, What did happen was that she was the steward of that perfume, and she used it to worship God. She had been entrusted with that perfume, and she used it in a way that worshiped God. And again, the disciples were caught up in the ethics of it, But Jesus saw a person using her resources to worship. And we've talked a lot about worship. I mean, the point is good stewardship is worship. And and a lot of times in uh, church circles today, we have a bit of a narrow view of what worship is. Uh, If I were to ask you what worship is, I think a lot of people would think, oh, it's the songs we sing at church. And yes, uh, we do worship through songs at church. And singing is a great way to worship, but worship can be a lot more than that. Worship is an attitude and posture of our heart and an act proclaiming first and foremost to God but also to ourselves and people around us who God is. Again, it's worship is a, a posture and attitude of our heart that proclaims to God who God is and proclaims to ourselves who God is and proclaims others who God is. And again, that's what this woman's done with her perfume. Um, there's a posture of her heart of worship and she proclaims to Jesus who she believes he is. She proclaims she believes he's Lord, her king. She proclaims to those around him who she believes he is. And she proclaims to herself who she believes he is. And, and we don't have any recording of if she said anything or, or if she just did it. But, but in reality, what she did said everything. She anointed Jesus like a king with all that she had. And in doing that, she identified that she viewed him as king. And she said she will use what she's been given because she trusts Jesus and wants to honor him. It's as simple as that. Again, the the difficult thing the disciples get into is making it more complicated, but Jesus says it is as simple as that. And so how does this play out for us today? How does this idea of, of good stewardship as worship apply to us today? How does it direct our lives and the way we live, the decisions we make? How does it direct our actions, the things we do or don't do, how does it affect our words and, and the responses to other people's words we have? How does it affect our relationships with people, our possessions, all the things, all of these things that God has entrusted us with? How does this, this idea of good stewardship as worship um, affect what we do? In short, it, it means we direct all of those things towards celebrating the goodness and the graciousness of Jesus, our Lord. And how we steward all those things, it's directed towards the goodness and graciousness of Jesus, our Lord. And as we do that, we'll leave footprints everywhere we go. Uh, Many of you know I have a a daughter. She's a little over two, and we got her some rain boots. And she loves going outside and stomping uh, in puddles. It's a lot of fun. She gets really dirty. But then the next day, you'll go out there, and there will be kind of like this little crater. And you look at it, and, and unmistakably, you see Isla was there. And when we're good stewards, all the areas of our lives that God has entrusted us uh, we leave a footprint that says Jesus Christ was here. You know, Jesus who is in us was here. And how we give, how we speak, how we respond, how we act. When we are good stewards, we leave a, a footprint again that says Jesus Christ. Someone who knew Jesus was here. And the difficult thing about stewardship too is it's uh it's not just the good things that we have to be good stewards of. It's not just the times of excess. It's not just the times of plenty, not just the times of abundance that we are uh, entrusted to be good stewards of. Some might say it's most important to be a good steward in times of crisis. For instance, when when Florida State's head coach missed that game, uh, they played Miami and they lost 52 to 10. They got stomped. And so that head coach had to go and he wasn't, being the head coach who was celebrating touchdowns, running down the field, pumping his fists. He was the guy who was trying to pick his guys up and help guys not quit and help help people at halftime not give up and try and turn it around. Again, it's perhaps the most important to have a good steward when things are not going well. And so we have to be good stewards, both of the good times and the bad, both of the wins and the losses, good stewards of our our disappointments and good stewards uh, of our successes, good stewards of our pains, and one, one of the most uh, powerful displays of, of good stewardship of pain I think I've ever seen in my life, and it's a display of worship, to be honest, is uh, happened five years ago after the the shooting at the Emanuel AME Church down in Charleston. Um, as many of you probably remember, there was a, a white supremacist guy who went in there and, and started shooting during the Wednesday night Bible study. And... uh he got arrested, and during his court hearing, um, the family members had a, an opportunity to speak to him. And a couple of them, uh, a number of them actually, there were nine people killed, a number of them uh, said that they forgave him and asked for mercy on his soul. And talk about uh, being dealt a a painful and difficult uh, role of, of being a good steward. There's, there's a guy who hates and hates them because of who they are and, and killed people that they loved. And, and the gospel shown through in what they said again, in in their worship, they declared that the love of God, the love that, that has touched their life is more powerful than, than the hatred that this guy tried to shove into their life. They were, that was a posture of their heart of worship. That was the only way that could happen. And they proclaimed, again, for, first and foremost to God that in the midst of that pain, that they believed God was greater than the evil that this guy tried to do. They declared to themselves that truth. And they declared, honestly, to, to everybody who paid attention to that. That, that was a, a Jesus footprint that stomped on my chest when, uh, when I heard that. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it's honestly kind of hard to even talk about. But, uh, but it was just a, a clear demonstration of, of who God was and, and something that could not be not noticed um, as worship of a God who was, who was greater than hate, a belief that, that life conquers death. So again, good stewardship is worship in, in good and bad and want and plenty. Um, and I'm thankful for those good stewards the family members of the, those who are lost at Emmanuel. So good stewardship is worship. Second point, moving along. Bad stewardship is worship too. So again, at the beginning, at the beginning I said we're all stewards. We're all, we've all been entrusted with things. We've all been placed uh, in a position where, where God is trusting us with stuff. In the same way, we all worship things. Uh, every, every one of us is, is directing our actions and the way we live our life, uh, in a way that says something about someone or something in in a way that again, worships something. And throughout history, there have been competing views of, of what this something is, um, in terms of what's kind of the, the trend of the time long time ago in, in kind of the biblical times, the, the prevailing sentiment was kind of a familial worship where you were a, a member of this, this extended family structure, kind of like a patriarchal structure, and, uh, and much of your life was directed towards this family. As a good steward, as a family member, um, your role was to help increase the influence and the power and the wealth and the prestige of your family and to not dishonor or to uh, devalue your family's name. And so everything you were doing was directed towards, again, this building up of your family. In later centuries, and it really came to a, a peak in the 20th century, this idea of, of nation or nationalism was one of, the, one of the prevailing trends of the time where um, as citizens, uh, being a good steward, you were, you were going to serve the nation well. Uh, part of it was because so much of the century was riddled by war. But the, the, the citizens, again, your role was to help the nation grow, to serve it well. Uh, to worship the nation and to believe in the nation and to follow the nation and to pour your energies into making the nation good. And our current trend today, I'd say, is, is individualism, where each the, the expectation for each one of us is, is to steward yourself. You're not so much serving your country or your family as much as you are serving yourself and trying to improve your situation, trying to get yourself in a better position um, so we can have more control over our time, more autonomy, um, and and more influence to be able to do what we want when we want to do it. And again, I, I don't say any of these specifically as a criticism. Each one kind of has good things and bad things about it. But we have to know uh, that the prevailing uh, trend nowadays is the, the individualism one. We have to know what, uh, what water we're kind of swimming in, if you will. And again, it's, it's, it's not a critique on hard work and self-improvement, but we, we have to know whom we are being good stewards for. We have to know what we are serving, who we are serving. Going back to the Florida State example, we have to know who's the head coach. Whose will are we trying to enact? If stewardship is worship, who are we worshiping? If we're leaving footprints, whose name is on those footprints? Is Jesus' name on them? I know very often for myself, it's, it's my own footprints on the influence I have in my life, uh, in, my, uh, in my family, in my relationships, and how I view my time, and how I view my possessions. It's too often my own footprints that leave the mark after I've touched them. And the scary thing is, again, in, in today's climate, a lot of people kind of expect that. It's not, uh, it's not something that's that uncomfortable. We saw this, uh, or I, I saw this back in the book of Isaiah. There's this guy named Shebna, uh, many of you may not have heard of Shebna. I had not heard of Shebna. But Shebna was a, an official of King Hezekiah way back in the day. Shebna was his name. And he was a, Isaiah 22 refers to him as a steward. And so King Hezekiah put Shebna in a position, they believe probably over the treasury, but he was a steward, again, put in a position as a government government official to run this area of the government like the king would have if the king had time to do all of those things. So that was Shebna's role. And Isaiah calls out uh, on behalf of God, Shebna. It's one of the only times in the book of Isaiah that, that uh, the prophet calls out a person by name. Most of the time it's nations or, or bigger things like that. Calls out a person by name, calls out Shebna because he's been using his role, using his power, his influence to, to build a, a tomb for himself higher up on the side of the cliff. And so a lot, of, a lot of people will be buried on the side of this cliff and the top of the cliff was reserved for the royalty. So the higher you were up the cliff, uh, that kind of meant the bigger of a deal person you were. Again, this is Isaiah 22. And so he'd been using his power and position to, to build himself a tomb that was higher on the cliff than it probably should have been um, given, given his stature. And so he spent his life and in, in stewarded what God had given him, this place that he'd been given to build a tomb. He spent his life building a place for death. And there's something just painfully ironic about that. And again, today, today's world will, will say, be like Shebna, not that directly, but that's pretty much the message. Use your time, use your money, use your relationships, use what you've been given to elevate yourself up the cliff, to move up the cliff. But at the end of the day, again, you're, you're, Shebna built himself a place to die. And have you heard of Shebna? I doubt you've heard of Shebna. I had not heard of Shebna. So that's our second point. Again, bad stewardship is worship too. We see Shebna worshipped himself, worshipped the role um, the place he could be on that cliff. Worship position. And that's a challenge for all of us too. What are we going to worship as we are stewards? Because we're all worshiping. So the third point, third and last point uh, is that good stewards are a new creation. Good stewards are a new creation. So when I was in college, uh, I worked as a a tutor most most of my college career, and I saved up and I bought myself a moped. Uh, I bought myself a blue moped and I would take it to and from class, ride it all around. It was awesome. Um, I looked pretty silly on it. But, uh, but I bought this moped, and I spent my own money on it. And, and I had roommates. My brother lived with me for a while. And I had friends. I had people that would ask me, hey, can I borrow your moped to take it here, take it there? And, I, and, and there's this part of me that's like, ah. You know, I just, I just bought this. You're going to scratch it. You're going to drop it. You're going to break it. You're going to, you're going to drive it too hard. You're going to break it too fast. Like you're going to, you're going to ruin it basically. And so I would occasionally, I'd make excuses why they couldn't, or I'd begrudgingly say that they could. And then, uh, when they got back, it'd be, you know, go inspect it, make sure everything's okay. And, uh, and it just was miserable because I felt like a Scrooge, but I was also just stressed out anytime someone would ask. And I had this, this friend at school who also had a moped. We had a lot of friends with mopeds, uh, he also had a moped, and man, he would let anybody drive his moped. They, like, you didn't even have to ask him. You could show up at his house and take his moped, and he was totally cool with it. And, uh, and so one day I asked him, I was like, hey, how, do you, like, how are you so cool about your moped? And he, he said, uh, that's not my moped. That's God's moped. And, it's, and it sounds out of context kind of silly, but basically he was saying, God, God had, has allowed me to have this moped for a time. And as a steward of this moped, I'm gonna let it be used to the max. Uh, and man, that was a Jesus footprint on my chest. Uh, still remember that to this day. And so what, what uh, stewardship really, about, really is about is, is a paradigm shift, a, a new set of lenses in how we see what we've been entrusted with. It's a new way of seeing how we've been entrusted with. So how, a new way of looking at how we view our time you know, is it going to be an opportunity to have an impact on other people's life, an opportunity to shine the gospel in an area uh, that might just feel like, like normal, or will it be a barrier to you uh, getting the free time you want? I know I've struggled with this when it comes to like bedtime at night. It's real easy to want to just like get through that so I can get to my own time or I can just do what I want to do uh, and not be a good steward of, man, you've got 45 minutes at night uh, that can really make an impact on on your child, and are you going to be a good steward of that or not? That's been a, a struggle for me. Similar type thing, though. Uh, h- how do you view your job? How do you view your money? Um, are, are all these things viewed as, as barriers to your will? Because, again, if you're, a, if, you're, if you're buying into that individualism thing and, every, and life is oriented towards enacting your will, then you're going to view everything as a barrier to that will. You're going to view uh, that call from a friend on Friday night at 6 p.m., this friend who's you know, kind of difficult for you, as, as a pain, or that call from the friend who needs uh, someone to talk to because they've had a hard week, you're going to view that as a pain in the butt rather than like, okay, here's an. as much as I'd love to relax, here's an opportunity uh, to be a good steward. We're going to view other people that, that are alongside us who are talented, not as like great people to have on our team, but as like, competition, uh, because again, we're trying to climb up the cliff. Uh, we're gonna, we'd view not, a, not giving to, to the church or tithing or to ministries or whatever, um, not gonna view that as a way to participate in what God's doing, but you view it instead as like a, a tax, another 10% kind of shaved off. Uh, again, it really is just about a, a paradigm shift, a different set of lenses for how we view our mopeds of the world. And as we can embrace that new paradigm, as we can embrace good stewardship, as worship, worship of God, then we'll start to see our life, the ups and the downs, we'll start to see them all as opportunities to embrace our role as God's steward, to embrace our role in God's story. And the Holy Spirit will help us with that. And again, that, that doesn't mean all of a sudden everything's going to be fun. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be tired at bedtime anymore. It doesn't mean... Uh, you know you 're going to be happy when you get the call at five thirty on Friday night, but it means all of a sudden it has purpose now it 's not just a barrier to you getting what you want it's it 's something that that has meaning despite uh, the difficulty it brings that that it can bring meaning and these lenses change this paradigm shift happens as we grow as christians uh, so don 't don 't feel bad if you 're not always a good steward right now i 'm um, not always a good steward, uh, but that is something that i am, I am struggling to To grasp more fully. Uh, I've I've been in a a discovery course this fall where we've read through uh, a few books of the Bible. And there's this this verse that's taken, uh, that has stuck in my mind for weeks now. It's from the book of Philippians. And Paul has just talked about how uh, through faith, we have righteousness. Through faith, we have righteousness. But then Paul talks about how he's, while this is true, he has struggled to take hold of it. Like, while, while it's true out there, he struggled to really, like, make it true in here. Uh, and he writes in Philippians 3.12, not that I have ar- already obtained all of this, so not that I've already a- obtained this reality or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There's this great line in a, a song by Need to Breathe, uh, where he, he, they write, I know that I'm found, but I can't keep from hiding. So there's again, there's this reality. We know that there's this truth, but there's this part of us that resists. Uh, this part of us that resists, like letting that truth uh, really permeate into the deeper parts of us. And that's the struggle we wrestle with here. Um, is that again, there is this truth. The lenses are there. As Christians, the reality has changed. But we struggle, and as we grow, uh, we ask God to help us see through these new lenses, to see through this new paradigm, to see our lives as worship, to see our role as good stewards. So in closing, I'll kind of come back to where we started. You are a steward. That's good news. You can't opt out of that. You are a steward. You've you've been put somewhere. You've been given people. You've been given time. You've been given relationships. You've been given position. And so as a steward, we need to be faithful, faithful wherever we are, and and with whatever God has trusted us with. So I'm going to close with a a passage from Romans that I thought summed this up pretty well. It's specifically about gifts, but gifts are things God has has given us and, and asked us to be stewards of. So again, it's Romans 12, verses six through eight. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, to the one who teaches in his teaching, to the one who exhorts in his exhortation, to the one who contributes in generosity, to the one who leads, lead with zeal, to the one who acts with mercy, with cheerfulness. So again, whatever you've been given, use that. Step into it and leave a footprint with Jesus's name on it. To land it real practically, are you a boss? God has put you in a position of authority over other people. Their future, their bosses and leaders, will one day be affected by how well you've stewarded the role of boss in their life. Your, how, you, how you steward that role will affect their family life at home, the type of mood they co- come in uh, fr- from work at the end of the day. Steward your leadership. Are you a student? You've been given four years to do something that very, very few people in this world get to do. Go to a college and just focus on growing as a person so you can contribute to, to society one day. You need to be a good steward of that. Also, there are a bunch of people at college that are... Uh, That are homeless. They have a dorm to stay in, but they do not have a home at college. And and as a good steward of someone who is connected in this place, um, you need to to use that and and give those people a home. Welcome them in. Are you a parent? God has given you a child. You're the only mother and father that that child will ever have on this earth. You need to be a good steward of that soul that's been entrusted to you. Um, Fathers of daughters, again, I say this one to myself too. Uh, How fathers of daughters, how your daughter views men and how they view God their father will probably be influenced by the role you do or don't play in their life. Are you husband or a wife? God has entrusted you with one of his sons or daughters. There's only one person in that role in each other's life and that's you. And you need to be a good steward of that. Good steward of each other's heart, good steward of each other's minds, good steward of this person that God has trusted you and only you with. Roommate, child, I could go on. There are many more. But again, we're all stewards. We've all been given resources. Can't opt out of it. So the question that I'll leave you with is what kind of steward are you going to be? And let's pray together. And I'll, uh, I'll open us and give us a little bit of time to, uh, to reflect. Um, please pray with me. So, Lord, we're going to take a few moments here and reflect, um, not only on how we can be good stewards, Lord, but to reflect in gratitude on on all the ways that good stewards have touched our lives, on all on all of the the footprints with your name on it that that have brought us uh, to a place uh, where we know and we we seek to know you. We know that that just as we are called to uh, participate as stewards, we, we have also received a great deal from stewards. So Lord, we'll, we'll take a few moments and, and talk to you and again reflect on, on the stewards who have touched us and, and the, the ways in which we can better be a steward in our lives. We'll reflect now. Lord, thank you again for uh, the, your faithfulness that has come through good stewardship and other people. Uh, we, I'm sure, we can all think of good stewards who have played a role, uh, a role in our our being here and and our joining your story. Um, so, Lord, again, empower us. Help us believe uh, in this new paradigm uh, that as Christians, uh, you uh, you've entrusted us. Uh, with so much uh, to to worship you with and help us worship you uh, in what we do in how we think and what we say in all the many ways you've entrusted us. Lord, help us be good stewards. We ask all things in your son's name. Amen.